Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action Wisconsin. And welcome to another bizarrely warm week here in Wisconsin. We are joined by Robert Craig, a resident climatologist and executive director. Robert, how are you doing? Good running weather, but uh, you know, we should all be, what is the movie uh, uh, promo, Be Afraid, Be Very Afraid? Oh, God, it's just insanely gorgeous outside and so hopefully you're enjoying it while you're uh soaking in just the scariness of it all but uh folks now mad i'm a little concerned birds sound like it's spring i hope that all the singing doesn't mean that they're about uh, to give birth to baby birds and then a polar vortex is coming in two weeks and take yeah i was uh what was it two days ago i woke up in the morning and was struck by the birds out chirping and was like oh my wow <laughs> anyways folks we got a lot to talk about it is an insanely busy week we will not get to everything that's on our list, but we will work in reverse order of importance, hopefully. Um, before we dive into everything, we want to remind you we are having a um, really important 40th anniversary celebration um, in Milwaukee to get started, but we will be uh, traveling around the state. After that, Robert, though, the uh, first one is uh, Monday, March 11th here in Milwaukee in Lighten Brewery. And I've been asking you every week to give us the one minute tidbit of just information you found in the research you've been doing to prepare for this. And I'll remind our listeners, Robert has been doing a lot of history uh, on our 40 years of which is at the historical society. He's been digging through that. And I've been asking him every week just to give us a little tidbit of something you might hear if you come to the event, Robert. Yeah, and I think we only have two episodes prior to the event, so I only have two more after these, so I've got to make good choices. So I've been sticking mostly very early before most people's memory in the 80s. I'm going to go to the 90s and just out of the grab bag, uh, pick a, a forgotten campaign and issue. Uh, people who were around Wisconsin and conscious of politics in the 90s, uh, some might have been alive, but were playing uh, Nintendo um under because they were young because they were kids um a huge controversy for a number of years was the exxon crandon mine it was a mine that could damage our whole water system because it was at the head of the of the head headwaters of the of the wolf river critical river for for all of wisconsin and uh, Citizen Action put together an amazing long-term campaign and in close alliance with the tribes and developed deep relationships with the tribes and brought progressive activists from the Northwoods and around the state into relationship. And Matt and I know that we have gone ourselves uh, when we came in, this to, we were still being invited at least to one tribe's tribal council, you may remember. Uh, so that was all those relationships. And Exxon, it looked like Exxon would win. Tommy Thompson, of course, is going to rubber stamp it. Eventually, Tommy was forced. Um, and, you know, Tommy was the kind of Republican who would give way to political, you know, damage, right, to sign a mining moratorium bill that basically ended the mine. And, and so this went, this was an ongoing uh, hot issue in Wisconsin on was public radio many, many mornings for four or five years that Citizen Action and all of our members across state and affiliates and allies and the tribes were at the center of. Well, Robert, you have actually now, I'll say unwittingly, because we have not discussed this, uh, stumbled upon a, a 
kind of a seminal issue for myself personally and my connect to citizen action, but also to my wife. <laughs> um, we this was an issue we both were super interested in. Had an Exxon, had had a stop the Exxon mine bumper sticker on our little blue Ford when we first met, and were uh, I was a graduate student in the union at UWM and. She was a, uh, a, a student uh, studying uh, education. We actually went up to Crandon in the summer to an Earth First encampment around stopping the mine. And um, it's my first and only actual experience with Earth, Earth First and getting in and getting to see just how that operation ran. Uh, and for a, some of our, many of our listeners will know Earth First in the 90s was... Um, a critical uh, movement of environmentalists who would do direct actions against um, logging and a number of other things. And they had their annual convention in Crandon, in the, in the, in the forests. It rained horrendously that weekend uh, uh, as in order to help support and bring attention nationally to what was going on with that mine. So seminal moment. Thanks, Robert. This was much more than a minute, but that's all right. It was a, was actual victory uh and uh it, to this day right that that moratorium has been challenged multiple times um so uh much like a lot of other things we've talked about thank you robert and um again folks please get out to our 40th march 11th that's a monday evening 6 p.m in milwaukee enlightened brewery again we'll also be in lacrosse wausau eau claire and green bay later Check out those dates. Folks, we got to move on. We got so much to talk about. Before we do that, I do want to just say it was a spring election primary on Tuesday. We're not going to dive into it because almost there was really not a lot of statewide stuff and everything's extraordinarily local. Um, but we do want to just um, remind folks the prime or the general is April is April 2nd. It is really, really important that you start to get that you get involved and help us with our field program. We will be uh, announcing a whole bunch of uh, more endorsements the end of next week. So probably early the next week and then launching real efforts in all of the regions. We are, if you live in green Bay, Wausau, Eau Claire, La Crosse, Milwaukee area, we're going to have uh, field programs on behalf of movement progressives. We're trying to get elected locally and we need your help. So um, please get yourself prepared, right? We need, we need you to get engaged. And if you can't do that work, and some of you can't, right? Like just the field work doesn't work. You can't physically do it. It's not your cup of tea. Please support it. We're going to have a link to the, um, our battleground fund, our 2024 battleground fund, where every dollar you donate goes directly to supporting that program, We're talking directly to voters. And folks, we're going to have a laser-like focus on the state legislative races because it's where power is in play. And that takes us to a topic that we will talk about later. But first, before we do that, and I want to talk about the maps, we're going to dive into that, folks. We will, I promise you. We will do that after the break. But before that, I want to give Robert a chance to talk about some breaking news about a poll that came out yesterday from Kaiser Health that is absolutely critical for a lot of things we're going to talk about in the rest of the show. That is what's possible to start moving things legislatively, what's possible in our elections, if we can win elections. And Robert, tell them about the news about 
healthcare and its connection to this issue of inflation we've been hearing just a little bit about over the last, oh, I don't know, two, three years, Robert? Well, and this is a cautionary note. Um, I'll just frame it in that uh, Citizen Action, our members, our allies in the legislature, we've provided the democratic, uh, state democratic position on rising healthcare costs, which are skyrocketing at a much greater rate than inflation. And because not only is it their right to access to health care, but because it is a sleeping giant of an electoral issue, people will vote on it. There are very few of those things. We're not being clear. We're beginning more clear because almost every Democrat has signed on on the public option bill um, in the legislature, and therefore it's available to run on. And Republicans won't do that because they're in bed with all the elements of the healthcare industry that profit from a commodified system that re- that makes costs completely unaffordable. So we know we have ended punditry that the whole this whole election is hostage to inflation. And the fact that most voters, despite all the positive economic numbers, the type that are reported, uh, report they think the economy is bad. And the reason is because of personal costs. And of course, there's a Republican Party that wants to blame Biden with fake blame. But we're not always clear. Healthcare costs are the dominant piece of that. It is the biggest thing that people are afraid they can't afford because of the massive surprise medical bills whenever they have any interaction And so the candidates that will run on that and be clear they have solutions and will take it on and expose the conservatives as having no solution because they don't believe in the government taking any role, that is political dynamite to pick up the state legislature. I know we're going to talk about the maps, Matt, to win the presidential race, to win congressional races like the one in the third CD. And so what we have been saying, and this is not the first time at all, Whenever there's the right kind of polling, it shows it. So don't just say inflation, talk about skyrocketing healthcare costs and talk about how they have no plan whatsoever because they side with the people who are overbilling you and overcharging you and surprising you at every turn with that with huge medical debt and thousands of dollars of unexpected bills. Folks, this is um this poll's critical because everyone says the top issue is inflation. This poll tells us the number one pressure people feel for that inflation is healthcare, right? And we know healthcare bankruptcy is the number one reason people declare bankruptcy. The other thing this poll found before we go to break, that's really important. Way more people want to expand upon the Affordable Care Act than want to repeal it. Okay. That is going to be a fundamental debate. Trump, all the Republicans, want to repeal and move away and don't have coherent plan for replacement, right? They believe in the system that we're trying to fix. The other thing, most folks do not know that the popular pre-existing condition protections that are part of the Affordable Care Act, it's a fundamental piece of it. They don't even know that it's a part of that, right? It's a separate thing. Folks, there's a this is a it's the blueprint it's the pathway to victory these are very popular issues we have got to get behind it and it's the right thing to do All right folks you're listening to the battleground wisconsin where citizen action you can find us at citizenactionwi.org welcome back to the battleground wisconsin 
Robert is just itching to talk. He's got one more thing to say about this about this poll, Robert. And then I'll return control back to our host. And that is, um, we've been talking about why hospitals are closing and care is lacking in the Chippewa Valley. And we're working with legislators on bills that get to the upstream. That is the causes, not just some band-aids to the situation. It has to do with the- Wait, Robert, question. It's not good to just throw like $15 million at like the, the current system? And the people that caused the problem, I think that's what the Republicans it, it, It's not a bad thing if you're Donald Trump and you throw some toilet paper into a crowd of victims of a natural disaster in Puerto Rico, but it doesn't do much, right? Right. Um, but I'm saying maybe it'll do some good, but it doesn't deal with fundamentally what's going on, which is massive monopolization of massive hospital chains, predatory competition with each other and driving themselves out of business. Because the reason they keep getting bigger hospitals and and keep Aurora is now combined with a Chicago um, health system and now with a North Carolina, they're getting bigger because the insurance company is getting bigger. And whoever has more bargaining power, who's bigger, gets more out of the insurance companies and the smaller guys, independent hospitals, small uh, hospital chains don't and get get killed. Medical device manufacturers, all the costs and things in a hospital to supply the same thing. And they and then and then and so the whole system is imploding on itself because it's all a grab for profit and market share. So part of what we're talking about, and there's a provisions to restore public regulation. We don't regulate public utilities, as the city attorney Eau Claire pointed out. We we do utilities, we don't regulate life-saving health care from hospitals. Why would that be? They're both essential to life. And so part of what we want to restore is a fight the citizen action lost in the 80s, which we've talked about as part of our 40-year history, is a hospital rate commission that actually decides what the rates ought to be based on the uh, uh, cost of care. And what that does, that allows small independent hospitals to be able to charge the same price because the price is set by us, not by, by predatory competition of monopolies. And it will address the healthcare cost crisis we just talked about because we need to restore control of what the price is to the public and take it away from greedy monopolies. So I, I'm going to put a point on this, especially if you're a state legislator or the governor. I'd be like figuring out how to call a press conference for a special session to accept the Medicaid money. And I want to get all of them on the record, especially with the new maps on their position on that. That is a baseline. I would immediately talk about the Badger Care Public Option Bill. And I would talk about both of these as to how they're going to not only help everyone across the state, but specifically address rural health care. Right? Robert just laid out one of the broader systemic issues. But we do know in the states that have accepted the Medicaid money, there were it's helped the rural health care system. Part of this is is that there's money and that there's that there's payers, right, who have resources. And obviously the Badger Care Public Option greatly expands the amount of folks who have a really good source of payment and coverage, of course, for themselves, including we expand into small businesses. Super important, really good electoral issue. And then Robert brought up the other stuff. But both of those right away, I would start putting pressure and getting every one of these Republicans in the current state legislature on the record. It'd be fantastic. Love to have that info. We already know, but let's let's make this an election issue. And then Robert mentioned it. We should immediately release bills 
on accountability that helps local communities rein in the excesses of the system and make sure that there isn't gouging going on and that there's a rational distribution and provision of the core need, uh, core things and facilities that are needed to provide the care our community needs. Folks, it's, um, it's a winner. The poll shows that. And that's why we wanted to take the time talking about that before we even get into the biggest news of the week, Robert. <laughs> the biggest controversy. Oh, yo, boy. Okay. Governor Evers, Robert. No shock. Monday signed the maps. The, and again, we talked about this extensively last week. These are the maps that the governor put forward to the court. Then signed by the Republicans when they saw clearly what was going to happen. We are, and we're firmly on the record, laid it all out last week. If anyone wants to go listen, that we thought he should have vetoed those. He didn't. Robert, I want us to talk about, and if you want to say anything about that further, you can, but I think you laid it out good last week. Let's talk about the opportunities and what, because like I hear a lot of despair. I spend a lot of time, you know, talking to people. We saw it in our own staff, right? Disappointment over the fact that the maps were accepted in the sense that we could have had more and sort of a sense that we these maps sort of leave us a little bit short. Folks, you're right. Okay, we we're with you. We think all that's probably, you know, true. It didn't happen. We have a once in a generation opportunity here with these maps, even the Evers maps. We've already torn through them. We've already gone through where we have capacity. We're already looking where there's opportunities. And folks, we need to have progressive folks in the win these primaries. What kind of Democrats make up those seats is almost as important as what the numbers are in the breakdown. There's going to be a new legislature. There will be improvements. The total dynamic in terms of what's in play is going to be very changed. Robert, coming back to you, I want to get your thoughts on these maps, and I want to get your thoughts particularly around the opportunities, even if you do tell us also about any uh, further thoughts about you know, uh, what, what opportunities were lost by maybe uh, not vetoing them. And talked about this. There were lots of tons of calls around the state on the Earl Ingram show on Wednesday. And for those of you who can tolerate a second hour of Robert in a week, I'm on for an hour every Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. statewide in the Civic Radio Media Network and the Earl Ingram podcast of his show. But it was You're all gluttons. Yes. Apparently, they're gluttons. There are people now saying they're joining Citizen Action based on the appearances on Civic Media Radio Network, which is a great new thing progressives need to take advantage of. We finally have a progressive radio network in the state that is in all the major cities. So I but I we need to be able to hold two thoughts, Matt. You're very right. We need to understand that, yes, it's a disappointment that we could have gotten even better maps. And that in a situation where Republicans have maximized power and rigged the state and its laws against us, we have a governor who is is who basically didn't take all the power back that was on the table. And I think that matters because morality is grounded in, for me, in consequences. Are you going to repeal Act 10 or not? Are you going to fund public education and have a first-class education system in higher ed or not? And so on. And that has to do with the trifecta because you have to change the laws, all the laws they created, and then make new laws for things like the climate crisis. But having said that, there was a huge risk 
we want to understand power, so we elect more people who understand power and understand the other side will take all the power, including illegitimately and unethically. We know that. But we will lose. The first time we've had maps, we can win. We could win uh, control of the legislature. Regardless, we don't know how the other process would have turned out. It just looks like they would have been slightly better maps. We don't know. But the point is, we will blow this if we become spectators and pundits and just complain and, and talk about it and all we focus on and don't get busy finding people who understand power and will we'll repeal Act 10 for real, really take on the voucher threat to public education, all of that, and elect them. They'll be better candidates because they'll run on health care costs. They won't be afraid of siding with the hospital executives because they give political contributions, which we get from part of the Democratic Party. And so we need to be able to hold both thoughts, but we have this immense opportunity and at some point just complaining, just being a pundit and writing an editorial is actually harmful because one of the threats to democracy is politics being turned into a spectator sport and a hobby as opposed to a, spect a participatory sport where we win when citizens come together, volunteer, get involved and actually change well, the direction of the state, win elections and then stand behind good people who who are in the legislature and will need our support against major forces that are against well, us. Robert, I want to talk about that because that is one of the things that I do not like about the discussion of the maps that like <laughs> we have to remind people when they say the maps will produce X, Y, and Z in terms of Dem Republican performance, that's not preordained. Like, I mean, come on that we have to have elections and elections happen, you know, in a moment in time. So IE let's just say, there happens to be a wave that is pro-democratic, pro-progressive this fall, right? These are brand new maps. There's a lot, of, so many open seats. It's a historic opportunity for progressives to determine what kind of Democrat is sitting in about over half a dozen, if not 20 seats. If not this year, over the next two years, right? Over a cycle. And don't think only about this year, right? We've got to think longer term. So it is absolutely critical that we get populist progressives running in all of these seats, including these swing seats, right? We need to prove case that we don't need Farm Bureau and corporatists and people who won't raise the revenue we need to properly fund the priorities of public education, child care, health care, and the infrastructure we need to be a modern economy. It's going to require resources. So please, Let's get busy about challenging our great leaders in all of our communities, our progressives, to run for these seats and to run as full-throated progressives to build coalitions of within the progressive movement. Plenty of groups out there want to help progressives get elected. We gotta we gotta we gotta be about that work of finding them, supporting them, and then backing them. Need you to get on the doors again. I'll say this again. I need you to help start winning with the progressives that are up in this April. And then please support our work. We're going to have a link for our battleground fund. Every dollar goes to talking to voters to help win these as many of these seats as possible. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin or Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back. 
to the Battleground Wisconsin. Robert, I want to give you any final thoughts about the maps or um, anything related to that topic. And we, on the idea of nuance, having both understanding power for future use of power, we can't change what just happened in the maps. None of us are governor. None of us have that responsibility uh, to understand it for future action, but then to take this huge opportunity and not blow it by just complaining endlessly that it's not all we think it could be. And that's all hypothetical. We won't know what those maps were. So we have to also understand nuance that we are in alliance with Governor Evers against authoritarianism. We have broad sets of agreements with Governor Evers. I'm saying we, me as a progressive, speaking for myself or our organization, but we also understand that we want to push him and more mainline Democrats to use power more strongly, understand that Act 10 was a power grab that is that has undermined the power of working people and of any party or any politicians connected to working people deliberately. And that it's critical that we have majorities to eliminate it. And notions of fairness, such as uh, that that are abstract and aren't related to consequence people in the world are not should not be a standard for us. But we want to the way we push it is we have more people like us in the legislature to push Governor Evers. It's that simple. He is still an ally, but allies look how far Biden's move left on climate, yeah. on antitrust, all sorts of other things. It's because a, an organized left has pushed him and he's responded. Look, let's be really clear about this. If you have dozens, Christina Shelton's in the legislature, Darren Madison's, Lori Palmieri, right? Progressives who had the courage to say no to the shared revenue deal because it didn't adequately fund public schools and they knew there would be almost 100 referendums on the ballot. They also said no to the idea that we should give half, half a billion dollars to our billionaire sports team owner who it was just revealed recently with the new uh, lobbying reports, $1.5 million spent on lobbying by Mark Antanasio to get that 500 or so million dollars. We need to try to elect those folks throughout the state so they can align with the good folks from Madison and Milwaukee and progressives across the state and create a different kind of politic, different kind of pressure. That's what's at stake. A lot will be determined August. Who wins those primaries? What are their priorities? Are they willing to do what it's going to take to raise the revenue to fund public education? All of that. So, folks, Robert mentioned Act 10. The bigger thing is right to work. That impacts a far larger. <laughs> Act 10 is huge, but right to work, that should be back on the agenda and full-throated, right? Workers' rights, all of that. Anyways, we got to move on. We got so much to talk about. Rob, oh, Robert's got more to say. We are not going to get to this long list today, but Robert, what's no, what I've else? Got one more sentence, then I'm back to you, and that is cautionary note: is look at Illinois, where the White Sox owner Jerry Reinsdorf is seeking a billion dollars sneakily because the politics are different. And was in Springfield lobbying earlier this week. Didn't even meet with the governor because Governor Pritzker's cool to it. Who knows? Maybe the Billionaires Club will bring Pritzker around or or create enough pressure. Very different than Wisconsin, where it was all lovey-dovey immediately. 
So that's the difference in politics. I don't think J.B. Pritzker is a flaming radical. He just has very different politics in Chicago and in Illinois. And he has a progressive mayor like Brandon Johnson in Chicago and the constituency behind it. Now, it doesn't mean that it won't happen. I'm just saying the same conspiracy is occurring. And so far, the reaction is markedly different than in Wisconsin. I would like to take a few minutes. Uh, we, we need to talk about and follow up on the uh, tax cut packages that um, we discussed last week. We've discussed actually uh, a couple times on the show because we think this is super important. Again, back to the conversation we just had. Let's be clear. And I want us to talk about this tax cut package within a broader context of what's gone on the last 12 to 15 years since Scott Walker. It has been a constant defunding of public resources by the Republicans, okay? And in a very regressive way, right? We have we don't have a very progressive income tax. Manufacturing, the the man egg tax credit, all this stuff. Many of our corporations don't pay state taxes, right? Or don't certainly don't pay what they ought to. So all of this stuff should be viewed within that broader context that we've just gone through a decade of largely defunding. There's a reason why we're not keeping up with shared revenue. There's a reason why your school, right? Some of that is we're ta- we're starving the resources. So we discussed this two point one billion billion, I believe it is, yeah, billion dollar tax cut package that the Republicans and it's a series of different kinds of tax cuts, and um, it had passed the Senate this week. I do want to take this opportunity to say it's it can seem complicated. I made a mistake even in that analyzing this stuff. For example, and I owe an apology to to state rep Katrina Shelton and Lakeisha Myers because I thought that they had voted for the whole package and actually said that on Facebook. Wrong. They didn't. They voted for a piece of it, which we don't still don't support, but I wanted to at least publicly apologize to to Shelton. But do it to say this shit's complicated, right? It's hard to track it all to know what's right, what are what's all being voted on. But overall, there's no pathway to the meeting the priorities we want if we keep defunding and taking away the resources we need to fund state government. And we've said this before. There needs to be a populist, progressive tax package put out by the Democrats led by the governor. We need Biden's all over billionaire tax. We need some progressivity that starts to change the dialogue about this. We can't just be having competing tax cuts. Robert, I, uh, sorry, I'm just this. No, no. Ah, and I'm so again, let me close by saying, Governor Rears, please veto this whole damn thing. But anyways, Robert, every, we, we think he's going to allow the child tax, the child tax credit. But it sounds like he's likely to veto everything else, he, which is he right. Should, he should veto the whole damn thing because Agreed. it's regressive and he should have a standard. If they want child tax cuts for people in, in Brookfield, they should also benefit tremendously lower income people in rural areas and in Milwaukee. OK, period. It, and explain just, why that doesn't happen here, Robert. That's really important. And it gets lost often in the reporting. They're not refundable, which means you have to have paid enough taxes have enough tax liability get the full benefit and so it, it it skews middle upper middle in terms of its benefit and those folks need help 
Um, but, but by the way, also, it doesn't get to the fundamental structural issue of child care and why it's unaffordable. We need a public child care system. We need to do what Biden proposed and have, uh, uh, you know, three-year-old kindergarten and guaranteed preschool. And where's that proposal? I don't know. Tax cuts are always going to be very inadequate because we have a horribly paid workforce. Of course, there's a workforce shortage, horribly treated workforce because the money isn't there. And, because, and in other countries, all other developed countries, this is part of the social compact. We have employers whining they can't find employees, and there are all these employees that can't work because they have to take care of their own children because there's no, unlike our competitive country competitors, we don't provide childcare of any kind. So that is, so where's that vision? Where's even that agenda setting? It would be wildly popular. But what do you need for all these things? Revenue. We spend 40 years cutting the tax code. And by the way, every time there's a cut, now we can't increase or it's a big tax increase, right? So everything makes it harder by a thousand cuts. That's what's super not- important about this. Yeah. Once you give it away, it's a lot harder to bring it back, especially if it's, you know, not a rich person, right? Well, so already th- gave away most of the corporate taxes. It will be politically hard to restore them. We need to, but we have to have that fight too, because it will be popular, but a lot of people won't want to take it on on our side. Because uh, they they look for the you know the path of least resistance, not a way to lead in these times. So we need more revenue, and we need to stop doing this. And it's not the 1990s and slightly more better, slightly more not as bad tax cuts should not be a thing. They want to give two billion dollars away of the surplus when they starved uh, K through 12 education, higher education didn't do anything serious on childcare, healthcare, everything. By the way, they'd save money if they did what the first steps in healthcare, Vagicare expansion, because they don't care about that. And why would we play into it? And why it's understood by the National Democrats and Biden, it's not even popular. It's more popular to tax corporations and the rich people than to do this. It's why simple. Is this is some sort of old playbook. Throw out your wing T offense from the 1980s and 90s. Some of these, some Democrats and who are not getting it. Look, it's simple too. You, if you want to stop having a hundred school referendums every spring, and by the way, I've been told there's already 40 or so in the planning for the fall, and who knows where we'll be at. You got, you got to have state revenue for that. Public education is almost entirely funded, obviously, because the property taxes go back to the state through the state. And so there are very few communities in this state, whether you live in a urban, suburban or rural small town that can afford with their local property tax base to fund this on their own. You can't keep doing these referendums. Milwaukee's going for its second referendum, right? We support it because we abs- it's absolutely critical. Public education is literally the most important backbone, fundamental piece of a functioning democracy. So please, these maps are a huge opportunity. The kind of Democrats that are in there, you need to be asking everybody, right? Are they willing to support the revenue that it takes to fund these key priorities that they all run around and say they support? And they do. But it's going to take revenue, and that's the hard part. And we need people willing to stand up and articulate that because we have said and we know progressive popular, excuse me, progressive taxation is very popular. Folks, 
you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin or Citizen Action, you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Whew. Important shit we're talking about today, folks. Really, really important. Massive opportunities, historic opportunities of our lifetime. Um, but we got to be thoughtful about making sure we are backing and, and challenging the right folks in our community to step up and run. Robert, it was a very brave billionaire this week. Uh, no, I'm not talking about Antanasio. Very brave man, a banker from California who has decided that he would like to bring his, might I say, he's a, well, he is a peculiar looking man. He's a fine, good looking man, right? Tom Selleck like almost. And um, even, you know, showing off that he's, let's, let's just admit this folks, dude's got a great physique and he looked like he was more than willing to show us off. I bet we might see more later on in a campaign, because I think this guy likes himself. Well, Matt, Selleck's been reduced <laughs> but, to selling reversible merge, more, merge, uh, mortgages on TV. Know, so it fits those. in, fits in, fits in, right? We got a billionaire banker coming in here, um, gracing us, Scanies, with his presence. It's, it's. I know that was a tough decision for him to pack up and leave California and decide to spend some time here in Wisconsin. Robert, uh, your thoughts on this? I'll just close by saying Tammy Baldwin is <clears throat> confounded the quote experts her entire life. Um, I assume the experts don't believe Eric Hovde is a serious threat, but this is a swing state. Your thoughts. I think Tammy has proven how formidable she is by this whole week of Hovde. <laughs> Robert, your thoughts. Well, the orange demigod will be here promoting him, I'm sure. So depends what you think, how you think that's all going to be going in Wisconsin. Look, he's uh, the physical body that Donald Trump wants. By the way, if Trump had Hovde's body, can you imagine what, holy shit, what a shit show that guy gosh, would be? Matt, you're going to nickname Eric the body Hovde or something here? Uh, Seriously, the vanity I, of these people, right? Like, I mean, it's just Trump wishes he was beautiful. Because Jesse the Body won a governor's race in Minnesota, the real Jesse the Body, uh, Ventura. But I was, you know, on Earl Ingram show uh, on Wednesday, uh, the uh, conservative and liberal callers started fighting over whether he's a carpetbagger or not. And I said, I don't care. And I'm not a big uh, reader of the political gossip columnist in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, um, yeah, who I'm sure is talking about this, has already talked about this and given all the uh, the tidbits. I will just say this. Tammy Baldwin came up in, from very modest means with health conditions um, as a les lesbian girl when it wasn't, sh shall we say, very socially acceptable and worked her way up step by step, not from money at all, not from privilege at all. And uh, that is her secret sauce. And so you can have like one of us who has stayed connected to us and who is a real person because she came up that way and she remains true to her roots.
versus the latest billionaire that thinks because we have a system that is a big money system that they have something to offer us. And I'm sure he'll probably get much more access to the billionaires club, which you said is called and that Tammy doesn't. And with all the donor class and everything else. And if you think all of those folks and Eric Hubdy's friends are looking out for you and are going to wor wor worry about the prosperity of your community or whether there are good families supporting jobs or access to life-saving health care or anything else like that or child care, all of the concerns, then more power to you. But it's an absurd proposition and we just need yep. to explain it. Yeah. And. I here's I, I like what you had to say about Tammy, because to me, Tammy is someone who is sort of like this person of her time. She took all the risks that a lot of other people were taking, you know, of the time. Right. And her leadership has sort of been right along and of the time and, and, and always been thought of as a progressive senator relative to the U.S. Senate. Right. Including. From our perspective, she just supports universal health care, single payer, right? But will do whatever it takes to get there. Very pragmatic, and she is governed that way. But let me just say, if there's one bit of weakness for Tammy and vulnerability, it's that like all politicians of their time, they 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 do, you can, I don't want to say age out, but you got to keep evolving, Tammy has not evolved on the international issue of our time right now. She's still got been in a position where I think a lot of our progressive allies, I'll just say myself, would like to see a much stronger position in Palestine. Right. So that is one area I'm just going to throw out there that I think there may be exposure or weakness where there hadn't been as much exposure in the past. Right. And I'm just going to, and I, say this to say, I really hope she can continue to be a part of it. Biden's been miserable here of pushing to end the absolute devastation that is that situation. So I just wanted to throw that out there as much love as, as I have for Tammy, especially as a U.S. Senator, right? Like um, we don't have a lot of, you know, the Senate is not a place of progressive voices and it is a billionaire's club. And that's why Hovde needs to stay out of it. But Tammy needs to continue what I would say has been her great skill, and that's being evolving with the time and being always a leader, certainly within the Senate. Robert, any final thoughts? Well, I think it's obvious. I, I don't think Hubdi was their you know, first choice, but I also think that he's just putting decided he should be a setter. Uh, it's such a 50-50 state, and voters are so affected by what happens the last six weeks or so, that's their attention span, very good political science research on this, that there's always a risk, and he'll have money. So he's not like a outfunded progressive without money who can't even get a message out. He would get a message out. It will be full of all of their hatred and cultural division, and it will be Frankly, unlike the problem with Democrats, it will be repetitive and consistent and fit into what all other Republicans are saying. It will not, it'll be a chorus. And that's the problem with Democrats. They're individual Democrats and progressives saying exactly what we should say, but they're not a chorus and therefore they're not heard. The public only hears choruses, they don't hear individual singers.
folks, before we uh, wrap up the show, I do want to have, I do want to talk with Robert about one other thing that um, was on 60 minutes this week. It's sort of, broke earlier this week i'm not sure it's really gotten the kind of attention it should and that is the um wisconsin fake elector and uh, former gop honcho who said he was afraid of trump supporters physically for his life around the fake elector robert your thoughts on this and, and again why this is significant this is sort of our we can have a feature our fascist update, fascism update, creeping fascism of the week. Uh, look, this is what happens when authoritarianism, when you have an authoritarian movement in a country, they actually start using physical force and, and terrifying people and getting people in line based on that, based to fear for themselves and their families. And so you have a chair of the Wisconsin GOP who felt like he would be in he and his family would be in danger from Trump supporters if they didn't sign the fake electors uh, and, and and act in that way. That is exactly what happened in Germany in the 20s and 30s, Spain, France, uh, Spain, Italy, um, in a whole lot of other countries around the around the world, a lot of countries in the global south. Once democracy was threatened and you had that kind of movement. And we learned that also the only reason Fonnie Willis in Georgia um, ended up hiring the special prosecutor she had an affair with that the Trump lawyers are trying to use to end that investigation um, is because the, the, her first choice, Roy Barnes, a well-regarded former Georgia governor, decided he didn't want to live with armed security the rest of his life. Same thing. Otherwise, he would have taken it and there wouldn't have been this issue. He's a 70-something man. And so that this is that there have been constant reports. A lot of people didn't vote for impeachment and were talked out of voting for impeachment in the Republican caucus because people said, think about your your safety. Think about your family's safety. They're colleagues. They know. And a lot of them who know are still there supporting Donald Trump and his movement. Let's be clear. And this impacts both sides. We, you know talked about it on the show we are knee deep in candidate recruitment have been now for a few years uh, but we have ratcheted up we've heard this from people i've tried to recruit for both local offices but especially con congressional offices um it's uh it's frustrating but it's real and it is part of how it all happens the other part and i'm just gonna give um, a hat tip and folks should watch uh, the clip I'm going to, I'll put in the, in the links. John Stewart has returned to comedy central. And this week, John Stewart had uh, 15 minutes of just brilliance about how uh, fascism, really authoritarianism uh, happens, how you take that away, how that's happening in Russia. Right. And how Tucker Carlson and the ilk of like Fox news is trying to normalize that, that that's a critical part to get us to normalize people like Putin and Russia in order to make it happen here, right? It's the only way. It's a powerful piece. Please check it out. It's all connected to this. Uh, all part of that is fear and power. Uh, so please, we need to, this is, this is such an important election cycle. There's so much on the line. There's so much opportunity for us. Please, let's challenge our folks to get out there, run for office. You know who should be, and we'll we cannot we we cannot wait to see you all on March 11th. 
and then in all the communities when we come around to celebrate the 40th, look back and look forward to what opportunity we have this fall. With that, I'm going to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. I want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge. It's amazing. Makes the show happen every damn week. You know, rain, snow, sunshine. So uh, everything. We really appreciate it. We love Brian immensely. Uh, Folks, we'll see you next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.